Hello, everyone. Welcome to Pence Pogs and Mr. Watson. I am certainly your host, Christian Watson. And today, I am coming with you. I'm coming to you right now with a lot of my heart, a lot of my mind, and a lot happening in the world. And so, well, out of all the things, out of all the contents of my mind and my heart, which are vast and numerous and innumerable, as the the wonderful poet Jose Martí, the the, uh, the Spanish revolutionary, said. Uh, my words are soft green. My words are also flaming crimson. My words are like a wounded fawn seeking refuge in the forest. You know, beautiful, beautiful words from him. He wrote the poem, uh, Guantanamera. Guantanamera, Guajira, Guantanamera, Guantanamera, Guajira, Guantanamera. So much like him, I am very much boundless in my sentiments, but we'll be focusing on three sentiments today. Number one, the coronavirus surge, which is allegedly happening. I, I'm skeptical. I, I, I'm not conspiracy theorist, but I do think that we need to understand what a surge means, how it means, how it goes, and why we're thinking about it in the term of thinking about it then. The Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, this is actually great news for all of those people in Seattle who were deprived of their businesses, of their families, of their houses, and by extension, the human liberty to survive and to success, be successful in this world. The capital of Donaldson has actually been dissolved. Thankfully, it's been dissolved because pro- protesters were, conster- were engaged in great consternation. And they were quite incensed <laughs> that, look at this, violent actions were being exerted towards the protests. So it seems to me the input and output, the, the principle of reaping and sowing, appears to be in effect because the protests themselves were quite violent, quite coercive, and quite demeaning to anyone who had any peaceful sentiments, even people who were on their side who just didn't want to go and try to engage in a military occupation of a bunch of neighborhoods and businesses. It seems to me that they are reaping precisely what they put into the ground. They sowed violence, so they reap violence. We'll talk about all that and more on this edition of Pensive Politics Indeed. So before we talk about this coronavirus thing, we should understand what Emerson said about, again, the us as people. He said, whoso would be a man or woman must be a nonconformist. What does that mean? Whoso would be a man must be a nonconformist. That means, as he went on to elaborate, that if you are to fulfill your humanity, if you are to be the human being that you want to be, if you are to be the best person you can be, you have to question what Emerson called goodness. Goodness is that which is held in high esteem and is never questioned. Goodness is the established constructs, sacred cows that are expected to be believed and followed no matter what. Questioning and critical thinking, of course, has been the, dyna- the, the, the dynamic that has changed and revitalized human beings from the caves to the sky, from the ground to the moon. The idea of critical thinking, of testing, that scientific myth, that spirit of illumination that Prometheus brought with the fire to earth to the human beings in the Greek myth, all of that produced so much great things which have allowed human beings' lives to be the opposite of what Hobbes said. Hobbes said life is brutish, short, and solitary. No, no, no. We used our genius. That genius that Locke understood that we had up in our DNA, bound up in our mind, in the back of our mind. We put that towards our prefrontal cortex, and we exerted life. We exerted so much into this earth, 
or particularly into human society by harnessing the power of the earth, harnessing the power of our humanity. And here we have it, a nation that affirms that divine truth that all men are created equal, of natural rights being the composition, the building blocks, the DNA, the genes of our ability to succeed in this world. And so if you're going to encapsulate all that stuff, you must challenge goodness. And goodness right now is the narrative that the coronavirus is surging. It's coming back. It's going to destroy us, guys. Uh, that's, that's the narrative. A bunch of fear-mongering, doomsaying sentiments. I'd say very little of the progress we've made in fighting this virus, and it does not, does not contextualize this recent uptake of cases. There has certainly been an uptake of cases recently. In fact, in the United States, we just hit like 20,000 within like a, a few days or a single day. Um, there are several states that are reporting record highs. Los Angeles County is one of the uh, most infected places with this coronavirus plague. I understand it. It's troubling. It's frightening, especially when you have a lot of people who are in rural areas who are saying, oh my gosh, if this thing, if this thing, if this thing gets to me, I'll die. My, my livelihood would be shuttered. I can't do this. This is terrible. So it's, under, so it's understandable. Death, while it is a natural part of life, should not be provoked immaturely. It should not be invoked immaturely. And folks are afraid that death may visit them a little bit sooner than they want to. Here's why you should question the narrative surrounding this sort of idea that is coming back. Number one, we are not, like a famous commentator just said, back where we were in March. We're not where we were in March at all. We actually understand COVID a little bit. We know how it interacts with the human body. We understand how it interacts with certain individuals. We understand that. We, uh, we have a sort of compendium that we are constantly building that is forever being written and created of knowledge about COVID that we are using to develop a vaccine, which Fauci just said may, instead of being available, as Esamon said a few months ago, next spring in 2021, it's going to be available at the end of 2020 towards December of this year. That's the power of that dynamo of human intelligence and genius. That so many of us are neglecting when we analyze the coronavirus. We see death as a certainty and the coronavirus as a harbinger of death, but we don't see the life that is constantly contending against the forces of death and that it seems to be winning. All, all we want to see as human beings in this situation is the, is the negative part, the negative aspect. Call me an optimist, but we have made strides and we have absolutely subordinated COVID-19 beneath the foot of human genius and brilliance over the past few months. The, and how do I know this? The lethality rate for COVID-19 has tanked immensely. Even though there was a rise in infections, there is a precipitous decrease in deaths. That don't want to make you shout. I'm about to shout. That don't want to make you shout. Because what that says is that even though the increase in infections and deaths in March were all, were, were, were both linear, they are both, they are both, they are both, there's a correlation between both of them. They are both, you know, cohabitating within the same statistical space, within the same coarse grain charts, within that same curve, they are now diverging. They're splitting apart. Be in no small part, because we as human beings said, you know what? We're geniuses. We may not be on the same level of intelligence, because everyone is, has different intelligence, I think. But we have the potential and the spark of illumination, that spark of flame, that spark of intelligence within our DNA, within our body. And we're going to use that truth, that natural truth, that truth of the natural law, that truth of the natural rights, to create 
a bulwark, as we have always done for the past thousands of years of human existence, against the world that wants to kill us, against the defective elements of our reality, we will shield ourselves. But no, the question, the question is not that we're shielding ourselves, that lethality is actually going down. And for people who are in younger age range, people who are a little bit older, 40, 50, who are healthy, this doesn't really affect them very much. By and large, there are a few anomalies, yes, that people have, who have been older have been killed, unfortunately, because of this coronavirus thing. But by and large, if you are older, like within like middle age or younger, and you have no underlying health conditions, you're fine. That is a fact. That is a statistical fact. This is not a conspiracy. There's not, this is a, but it's not a reason to be entirely um, incredulous towards the effect of the coronavirus. It's, it's a threat for older folks, people with underlying health conditions. And so why not, instead of embracing stasis as the government is so wont to do and by stasis i mean a a a patterned unchanging way of thinking about something which is not reflective of what life and circumstances actually are life is actually quite dynamic so instead of embracing stasis as the government is wont to do because the government itself is a static entity why not embrace the genius watch me the genius that human beings have applied the situation to reduce the lethality and increase our ability to continue to live on as healthily as possible, to continue to chase our potentials, our dreams, our aspirations, to, to be able to go back to school, to be able to unleash that fire of bravery within our hearts. Why not focus on that when you discuss the rising cases? Because the government and people who have something to benefit who, who, could, who could possibly benefit from there being panic. And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to be a conspiracy because I'm not, but there are folks who definitely benefit from the panic. It's an election year, guys. There are folks who benefit from the chaos of the panic. And those kind of folks are no longer being acquiesced to because we are using our individuality to squash this thing. But and it's not the nature of the government to think creatively about things. The government's not a creative force. It's a dreadfully boring, bland, mundane force. There's actually a penalty, a tax on human creativity and energy. That's what it is. And so it's not in the government's nature to actually be innovative and solve this issue. That's why we're not really thinking about the coronavirus as we should. We should see this COVID-19 business as simply an opportunity to hone and refine our ability to protect life. We should view it on a micro level as well, because this notion of public health has been pushed to no end by some people, by some plutocrats, by some bureaucrats, by some technocrats in certain professions that are saying, oh, we have to shut down the economy to protect public health. Public health this, public health that. Public, public, public. Let me give you a secret. Health is an individual condition. Health is the description of individual conditions. Health is not a public thing. It is a misnomer, a philosophically corrupt one at that, because it is being used to pervert the idea of health into something that it is not, to dare suggest that the health of one is the health of many. That's not true. When I go to the doctor to get a checkup, I don't, he doesn't ask me, okay, Christian, what is the blood t pressure of your community? Because that would be nonsense. That doesn't really tell me anything. 
he may want to evaluate my family history so he can get an indicator, an idea of how my blood pressure might be, but that's not going to be the sole determinant of that. They're going to take a test and they're going to see my individualized condition so they can best help me as me, as Christian Watson, not a member of the Watson family, not a member of the nation, not a member of the community, but as Christian Watson. As Christian Watson. That is what health is. That is what true health is, ladies and gentlemen. But when the government tries to convince you that public health is, uh, is, is, is in peril, and therefore to protect public health, we have to begin tracing people. And then the, the WHO actually sent an ultimatum to the government, United States government recently, and said, if you don't be in contact tracing people and you know quarantining them mandatorily, we're, you're going to see a second wave happen. All this nonsense, all this sheer and utter bile that comes from an organization that it does not have any sort of conception of liberty, any sort of conception of, 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 of self-reliance, any sort of conception of individuality. That comes from an organization who has been paying lift service to the Chinese. That comes, to, that comes to an organization that has been doing so many things that have been regressing our fight against this virus, our war against this virus. When it comes to that, unfortunately, my friends, when it comes from that, you're not going to get anywhere, unfortunately. You cannot have someone who misunderstands a foundation of a house build a house. Or else that house will cave in, ultimately. Endlessly. Tragically. It's unfortunate. It's terrible. It's fearful. But the problem with this COVID analysis is primarily how we are not seeing it as an opportunity to focus on our individual health, as an opportunity to focus on our ability to protect life, or an opportunity to focus on how we can change narratives and thus Liberate us from the specters and the and, and the icy cold touch of fear that has been used time and time again to subordinate people to certain presuppositions, to certain preconditions, to certain actions. We should be focusing on COVID as a vector for change, not as a harbinger of destruction. We're fighting COVID. COVID's lethality is incredibly low compared to most most viruses. And even more so now that we have the Medic, we're using medication and certain drugs to combat its effect on the human body. We are quite literally kicking this disease and subordinating it beneath the hill of victory that is so that, that is so integral and inherent to that to that Promethean human spirit that blazes forth and blazes forth truth and knowledge and dispersed with illusions and dispersed with falsehoods. We are quite literally liberating ourselves from the specter of fear and ignorance that we had back in March, back in April, that caused us to do so many calamitous things to our economy and our society. And we are finding a better path. But there are folks who want you to think that because at the start we had some issues fighting this thing, in the middle of the game, we're going to have more issues. There are folks who want to necromantize the past, and this is the past two months ago, and use that necromantic curse of the past and put it onto the future and thus entrap us all into that spirit of stasis. That's the government. We have to liberate ourselves from these mindsets, folks, if we want to actually get better, if we want to actually become healthier. You need to understand that your health is in your hands. Yes. Can COVID affect people other than you? Of course it can. Which is why you need to be careful. And you need to to take the precautions that are necessary for you to be healthy. Because if you do that, 
you are not affecting other people. I'm putting emphasis on the word you because it is ultimately an individual thing. If individuals were to be healthy, theoretically, were to stay healthy, were to take precautions, this nonsense about public health wouldn't even exist because there wouldn't be a widespread effect of this thing. But unfortunately, partially due to ignorance, partially due to obliviousness, some of us just didn't know that COVID was going to be a thing. Well, there were folks who knew, but really didn't. The government really didn't do much about it, or really. I mean, when they when they, when they did, they didn't really didn't really help anything. I mean, <laughs> lockdowns didn't really help anything. Oh, but we were flattening the curve. You know, we, we flattened the curve by actually understanding it, not by actually force people into lockdowns and taking away their businesses and making them dependent on the dole. That's how we actually flatten the curve, guys. <laughs> anyway, if you want to beat COVID, beat bad mindsets first. COVID is an infection of the body, but the way we think about it is an infection of our mind. And that portends much much worse much worse things for us as individuals and Americans who are progenitors, who are uh, emissaries of the American experiment in this era, in this time, in this age, this moment. That mean that that portends bad things for us. We need to behave responsibly, behave intelligently with a light of illumination that we have been given that spark within us if we're ever actually going to fight COVID. And win and beat it. Because COVID can go away, but if the fear of COVID is still around, you will never see. You will never see life return back to how it was or life evolve to a higher order thing. You always see life stay in the trenches of fear and despair and death. And we don't need that. We really don't need that. And speaking of fear and despair and death, let's talk about the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. Chaz. That illegitimate occupation that masqueraded under the veneer of justice, that masqueraded under the, the veneer of equality, under the veneer of actual change, which in all reality was a terrorist occupation of a peaceful neighborhood, which coerced so many business owners and families from being able to be in their own property without toting a certain ideological narrative. It was a it was an act of conceptual terrorism. Well, yesterday. The official Twitter account for for the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone or the Capitol Hill Organized Protest, which is called Chaz or CHOP respectively, they uh, th- it, it, it said that due to violence, due to violent actions that have been per- that have been evoked by people who are enemies of Chaz, enemies of revolution, they will have to pull back. They will have to retreat from their occupied zone, which was not really theirs in the begin with because it was seized illegitimately. It was obtained legitimately, and it was done in a way that absolutely violates rights. Isn't it interesting to you guys that violence begets violence? That sameness begets sameness? Isn't that interesting to you? It's interesting that some people lack the introspection to understand that when they sow something into this universe... They will get something out of it. This is not some new age concept. If you sow bountifully a watermelon seed, you water it, you tend to it, you cultivate the crop and everything, that watermelon is going to grow. You have plenty of watermelons. If you don't sow it during that season, during the right season, then unfortunately you're not going to have any watermelons. It's the same thing with political action. If you sow violence into an area, you're going to get violence back. That's not to say that violence is justified in any case. It's not. 
Chaz deciding to instill violence upon people and shoot at people who disagree or to attack people who disagree with them or to coerce them from being able to uh, be in their own houses that they paid for, that they obtained legitimately and voluntarily, that's not justified. And neither is attacking Chaz for doing that. Neither is throwing rocks at them or shooting at them. That's not justified at all. It both is abominable. But guess what? Abominable brings forth the abominable. Evil brings forth the evil. This is the adage that Martin Luther King said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Yet, these people are so confused. Oh my, there's violence. Why do you think there's violence? You know why there's violence? You know because you are living on the hills and the example of people whose actions were appropriate for the context in which they existed. They want to try to necromantize and embody the actions of the activists in the 60s. Many of whom were legitimately fighting injustice, many of whom were legitimately struggling against a terror that sought to suppress their lives, many of whom were legitimately trying not to be sent off to some war that was unjust, that was not really at all a, a, an American thing to really be in, the Vietnam War, which was terrible, a terrible atrocity, a blossom nation history. Many of them were actually fighting against it. But guess what? The atrocities that happened then demanded certain actions from people. They did not demand what is happening right now, folks. They did not demand what is happening right now. What is happening right now is simply an, a misunderstanding of things. It is simply a misunderstanding uh, and, a, and a misuse of energy and a misapplication of energy to the current circumstances. Guess what? What happened in the 60s is not what's happening right now. This country is much better and much far further better off than what happened in the 60s. We are much, much, much better than what happened in the 60s. Much better. We have work to do still, but the 60s are not 2020. We're in the 21st century, people. We are in the 21st century, my, my people. We are. And so we have to understand this from just a purely conceptual standpoint. That you cannot use the actions of past people to solve present ills. Because there is an incompatibility. There's a malfunction within the system when you do that. That, that is the inversion of change. Going back to the past and regressing the future to answer the future is counterintuitive to what you're trying to do. And then at the end of their little exhortation for people to continue their evolution on the internet through Facebook and social media, they said, well, Chaz is an idea. It's not, a, it's not an area. It's an idea. Talk about relativism. Talk about complete and another direction of reality. Chaz was an area in which an idea was anchored into by a bunch of irreverent people who had no regard towards rights. Some people think that ideas are separate from things. They aren't. They're inherent to things. The conceptual realm, the moments of forms of, as Plato would say, literally reflects the most perfect versions of of things that are that are existent in reality. So my question would then become, why are you creating this false dichotomy between ideas and things when they are essentially one and the same and one ideas precede things? You are engaging in philosophical corruption to serve a temporal, disgusting political purpose which will not affect the change you want. Why was Chaz even conceived when the basic understanding of things and dichotomies and change 
would have admonished anyone who had even considered or conceived a militaristic occupation of a neighborhood, the illegitimate occupation of a neighborhood, would have admonished them to see that was wrong. Because it's not really about the current time. It's not really about what's going on right now in reality. So it's, it's not even really about reality. It's about neglecting the self, neglecting that which is real, to serve. Get this. To serve the illusory. But ladies and gentlemen, why do you think? Why do you think that things like the Capitol Hill Autonomous don't exist? Why do you think politics is so bitter these days? Is it because of division, as so many commentators want to say? No, it's not. The founders hated, hated each other. Madison and Jefferson couldn't stand each other. This nation was birthed from division. From the Anti-Federalists and the Federalists came a coherent, centralized system that sought to protect liberty. Didn't always do it, doesn't always do it, but sought to. This nation was birthed from division, people. Division is not a negative thing. It's a good thing. It symbolizes differentiation in thinking. The real issue here, people, is a lack of self-respect. A lack of self-love. That is actually the issue underlying most political conflicts right now. Think about it. Every time a Democratic Party mentions a success... They invoke Bill Clinton's name because he was the last Democratic administration in which the Democrats were incredibly, incredibly, incredibly successful economically or whatever, even though his success came from the average Republicans, not really <laughs> himself, even though they liberalized the economy with the balanced budget amendment of 1997 and several other actions that actually made the economy uh, a little bit work a little bit better by simply leading it to its own devices. But no. No, no, no. It's all Bill Clinton. He's the most successful one. Whenever a Republican mentions any president they want to write off of, they mention Ronald Reagan, who I respect immensely. But guess what? I have mixed feelings about Reagan, actually. But I respect him as as as, as a thinker and as a as someone who adored the principles of America. But guess what? Even even Ronald Reagan, people, even Ronald Reagan, even he had things that were not necessarily genuinely. It's genuinely, guys. Goodness. And Reagan, look, think about Reagan. Reagan, whenever they want to mention who they aspire to be, guess what? Guess what? They always invoke his name. It's okay to have role models. It's okay. But as, as, as Emerson said, imitation is death, dudes. Imitation is death. Machiavelli says that imitation is actually good. Actually a positive thing. That's what Machiavelli said. There's actually people, if you imitate the greatest, you may not become the greatest, but you'll but you walk in their name. Now he, of course, Machiavelli was trying to get people tools to ma manipulate and, and <laughs> people into subordinates and control for political authority, which was disgusting. Machiavelli is one of the more disgusting political thinkers that ever existed. But imitation is key to doing a lot of things, but it's suicide. Because there is something so special and unique about you as a human being. That far transcends any quality that anyone else throughout history at any point in time is able to reflect. 
The reason we're having so much struggle is because people want to keep living up to other people's examples and don't want to admit that they are good enough themselves to live up to their own standard of value and their own examples. For me, Christian Watson is my only standard of value, me. Who I was at the beginning of this broadcast and who I am at the end of this broadcast, that's my standard of value. Nothing else. Jack, nothing else. If we recognize that, and of course we still take an influence and we take inspiration from people, but if we actually recognized that we ourselves are our own standards of value, you know what would happen, people? You know what would happen? You'd be able to unlock the dream, the vision that is bound up in your consciousness, that is emblematic of your existence, and you'd be able to exude that dream into the entire world. In a more mundane sense, our political conversation would become much more clearer, much less repeat with, repeat with strife and death, and much more conducive to productivity. But the more you continue to mimic other people and imitate other people without any consideration for yourself or the ethics that they may or may not have violated, the ethical foundation of the world, which is that of natural rights, which is that of individuality, which is that of peaceful, nonviolent action, until you consider those higher order ideals, you will continue to keep yourself ensconced and entrapped forever in a wheel of downward spiraling imitation. Stop it. Respect yourself. Respect people who gave birth to you. Respect, respect what you mean to this existence more than that, damn it. I'm serious. You are more than that. You can be more than that if you want to, of course. So Chaz, with the death of Chaz comes the death of a a a, land, a landmark of imitation that thought it did something good. And of course, at the end of their statement, they exhorted people to go ahead and support Joe Biden. <laughs> the man who said that, I don't want a revolution. One of the most lukewarm people. I mean, this week's been turbulent, guys. But ultimately, here's what I'll leave, leave you with. Do not let the example of someone else guide you to the detriment of your individuality, to the detriment of your passions and goals in life. Don't do that. Because you are robbing the world and yourself of what could be the powder keg that transforms the status quo and something that is much better and conducive for the fulfillment of that ancient dream that Prometheus ran across this world with the fire blazing in his hand to establish. As always, my friends, thank you for listening, and please stay pensive.